Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to talk about a subject that we haven't talked about very often in Virtual Legality, and that is Dungeons and Dragons, or more specifically, the trademarks associated with Dungeons and Dragons and the company that originally made it. Now, before we get into the specifics here, and I thank everybody for pointing this story out to me and asking for my commentary, I want to point out that this channel, Virtual Legality, is in fact supported by viewers and listeners just like you through Patreon, and that includes a group support tier that I'm very thankful for in December of 2021. Special thanks go out to Dragon Girl, Falcus Vipus, and Nord for helping support what we do here. Thank you so much. And again, if you want to support Virtual Legality, please do check out the Patreon or any other way to support us, which we'll list in the description to this video. Now, in terms of specifics here, we're going to talk about a company called TSR or calling itself TSR at this moment in time. A number of you flagged for me that this TSR is different from the old TSR, that there's a whole host of machinations and recriminations and reorganizations that have led us to this point. And I don't think it's terribly fruitful to go over all of those in this context, but I do want to just give a brief overview for those of you that might not be familiar with it at all. Here's the Wikipedia entry for TSR Inc., says, when Gary Gygax could not find a publisher for Dungeons & Dragons, a new type of game he and Dave Arneson were co-developing, Gygax and Don Kay founded Tactical Studies Rules in October of 1973 to self-publish their products. And then it goes through a number of reorganizations, finally winding up with the name TSR Hobbies Incorporated, and it cuts into financial difficulties over the decades until... In about 1997, after TSR is left unable to cover its publishing costs, according to Wikipedia, TSR was purchased by Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast being very popular at the time and today for any of the number of games and products that they put out there. Wizards of the Coast initially retained use of the TSR name for their D&D products, but by 2000, the TSR moniker was dropped, coinciding with the release of the third edition of D&D, Wizards of the Coast wanting goodwill to accrue to their own name and not to a subsidiary type name that they're otherwise not using for any other purpose. Wizards of the Coast allowed the TSR trademark to expire in the early 2000s. Two new companies have since utilized that TSR trademark commercially, which leads us to today. And a company by the name of TSR LLC that wants to otherwise call itself TSR imply that they are the successors, at least spiritually, in interest to that original TSR Hobbies Incorporated and are putting forth an Indiegogo campaign that I got to tell you raises a number of red flags for me. We're going to go over the legal documentation here. We're going to go over some of the oddities here. That's why I called this video what I did. But they all start out with this campaign which sometimes reads like it's written in an alien language and also questions exactly what you're getting and where the money is going. So let's take a look at this. It says, TSR has launched a campaign to stop Wizards of the Coast. Become a champion of TSR. Support our campaign against Wizards of the Coast. We're taking a stand against WOTC and its wrongful bullying of TSR, our trademarks, and its public libeling and slander of all those who helped create TSR-based Dungeons and & Dragons and products. So a couple of things going on there right from the start. You see wrongful bullying. I'm a little bit unclear as to when rightful bullying occurs, but also a big swing with respect to public libeling. That's a high bar to clear in most instances, and we'll see exactly why I think there's a problem clearing it as we read through this in its entirety. They continue, Wizards of the Coast has refused to answer all of TSR's repeated requests that they show proof that they legally own their trademarks. We got to take a step back just with that sentence alone. In general, 
you go and you demand from someone else that they prove to you that they own their trademarks, they're not going to give you much of an answer in any respect. Remember, TSR isn't actually the successor to TSR Hobbies, Inc. As far as corporate law is concerned, they're just another party that's asking for something of Wizards of the Coast. If you go and you write a letter to Coca-Cola right now and demand that they prove that they own their trademarks and intellectual property, you're probably not going to get a response at all. If you do, you're going to get one of those snarky responses from Coca-Cola's general counsel that gets put up on Twitter to make fun of the people that made the original request. I don't love those but they are pretty popular online. In general, if you want to challenge someone's intellectual property ownership or other rights, Challenger has the burden of proof to go and show that they have reason to believe that those trademarks are invalidly issued, abandoned, which we'll see as a reference point in this particular lawsuit and legal claim, or otherwise problematic. That doesn't happen here, and TSR is trying to drum up support for the fact that Wizards of the Coast didn't answer them. Okay, but I'm not convinced so far. Final sentence here, Wizards of the Coast has the vast resources behind them and is implying to bring them to bear down on TSR. And I I had to read that closely and slowly because this is a sentence that feels like it's gone through Google Translate. Has the vast resources behind them? Okay. Is implying to bring them to bear down on TSR? Fair enough. You're trying to say they have a lot of money, they have the most chips at the table and they can crush us. That's true. Uh, But certainly the language here is a little bit odd for people that purport to be in North Carolina and Wisconsin and other places that generally can put a sentence together a little bit better than this. Now, what are you getting if you support this campaign? Here's where things get even more odd. It says the Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum is donating special limited memberships with proceeds going towards our legal battle. If you go and you look at some of these websites, you see the Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum, which doesn't otherwise quite list its ownership, appears to have a similar kind of ownership structure as what we're actually looking at in this Indiegogo campaign. It's all implied. We can't actually tell because they didn't put that kind of stuff up. But you see reference to Wisconsin. You see references like this one. The products contained on these pages include images, trademarks, artwork, and other materials owned and produced by TSR LLC which is what we're talking about here, and are not produced, endorsed, or sponsored by or affiliated in any way with Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro, which is the parent company to WOTC. You also see in their online store, most specifically for purposes of this video, that they're selling shirts with this TSR, the Game Wizards logo, with a man's face in a circle next to it. That's important. Keep that in mind. We will get back to it. But long story short, there appears to be an affiliation between that museum and TSR LLC. And so when they talk about donating special limited memberships from this other organization, I, again, have a red flag raised. For a dollar, you get your name mentioned. For $5, you get a unique museum membership, okay? For $10 or $20, you get a various amount of quote-unquote pivot points in the TSR games that use them. I'm not familiar with those. If you do play any of these games, Leave a comment to this video because I'd love to know exactly what that is in terms of gameplay. Sounds a little bit like inspiration as I might recognize it from, you know, Wizards of the Coast games. For $50, you get Gold and Wheel of Fate. And for $1,000, you are eligible to receive unique items and receive a lifetime special reservation ticket, redeemable once per calendar year, for a dinner and gaming night at the Hobby Shop Museum. So you get that big membership that the Hobby Shop Museum is otherwise selling here, this mithril kind of concept. So at the end of the day, this looks to me from afar, without even getting into the legal nature of things, which we are of course going to talk about in this space, 
like it's a fundraiser for the Hobby Shop Museum, that they're trying to sell memberships that maybe aren't popping off the shelves that they otherwise can't get rid of. They're doing it through this and by generating a little bit of outrage and anger, and maybe that's not fair to them. This is just my initial kind of opinion reading through this to start out with. And since so many of you asked me to look at this, I thought, well, maybe they think there's something up there as well. Now we get into some more specifics. TSR is suing WOTC for trademark declaratory judgment of ownership, which is an odd way of saying you're asking for the court to confirm that you can own the trademarks that you have registered or otherwise attempted to. But again, we've just got an odd English language barrier here. TSR will also pursue in the near future having WOTC remove or change the legacy content disclaimer placed on TSR-based Dungeons & Dragons and other products. This disclaimer attempts to make a statement of fact argument, just a statement of fact, and therefore paints all of the writers, editors, artists, and consumers of those products as supporting those alleged prejudices, stereotypes, and bigotry wrongfully claimed to be a part of those products. Those are big words. So let's see what Wizards of the Coast actually is affixing to these products. Apparently, the older ones that they nevertheless continue to sell because they're valuable. We, Wizards, recognize that some of the legacy content available on this website does not reflect the values of the Dungeons & Dragons franchise today. Some older content may reflect ethnic, racial, and gender prejudice that were commonplace in American society at that time. These depictions were wrong then and are wrong today. This content is presented as it was originally created because to do otherwise would be the same as claiming these prejudices never existed. Dungeons & Dragons teaches that diversity is a strength and we strive to make our D&D products as welcoming and inclusive as possible. That part of our work will never end. Now, knee-jerk reaction here. This reminds me of a lot of the disclaimers we've seen popping up in various instances across our society today. I'm thinking of HBO Max putting a disclaimer very much like this one at the front of Gone with the Wind. We see references made or at least statements made when certain episodes of sitcoms are pulled from streaming services and otherwise. So I don't think it's that unusual to see these kinds of things. You don't have to love them. Clearly, a lot of the folks that would have written and made these legacy games would not love them. Whether or not they're libelous is an entirely different question. There's there's closeness here that these depictions were wrong then and are wrong today, that the depictions themselves, the authors of those depictions are effectively reflecting ethnic, racial, and gender prejudices. Uh, But we don't have reference to names. We don't have this specifically aimed at anyone. Wizards of the Coast, of course, is the one selling this product. And again, it's important to remember here that TSR, even though that's what they're calling themselves for purposes of shortening their name in this Indiegogo campaign, are not successors in interest to TSR Hobbies, Inc. Wizards of the Coast is. They bought that company. So they could have a claim against themselves, I suppose. I say jokingly. But this becomes a problematic kind of claim to bring because a lot of it's opinion, which isn't defamatory. Hey, we think this stuff that we're selling to you for your money, thank you very much, is prejudice. But also, it doesn't really aim itself at anything that TSR right now, LLC, is protected by. So we have these things here that are interesting. We're, of course, going to dive into the trademarks here pretty heavily. But in terms of the disclaimer, you don't see a legal action brought as part of any of this yet because it's a very hard claim to make and attorneys are expensive, which leads us to the last red flag, which is, hey, what happens after all this is over? They say after deluge, usually after the deluge, again, I don't know exactly where some of this language is coming from. When the battles are all said and done, Any leftover funds from this cause will be used to erect a memorial 
in memory of all the original creators of the game Dungeons & Dragons at the Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Now, let's say all the extra money solely went to creating this memorial and not to general operating funds of the Hobby Shop Museum. You're still increasing the value of a different business that you own through a fundraiser for a legal claim that we'll see is problematic in and of itself. So that's kind of the background here. We'll also talk about why more red flags went up in some of the updates that were posted to this, and I'll do that at the end of this video. But I think what you're all here for is that trademark lawsuit. So let's take a look at what's actually happening there. Thankfully, as part of that lawsuit, they provided an exhibit for the problems that they were having with Wizards of the Coast as of the summer of this year. And it provides a way for us to look at things on an organized basis. So we have here a letter from Wizards of the Coast that says, we are counsel for Wizards of the Coast, owners of the Dungeons & Dragons role-playing game and successor in interest to TSR Inc., which it acquired in 1997. We write, concerning your client and TSR LLC's unlawful use of and applications to register seven TSR logos and word marks specifically. And here we have seven marks, all of which I've looked up for your pleasure here in this video that we can take a look at that are problematic from Wizards of the Coast's perspective. First is that TSR Game Wizard that we looked at as being sold on shirts in the online store of the Hobby Shop Museum. Next is a lizard. There's an angled TSR. There's a dragon medallion. There's a picture of a wizard, not to be confused with a picture of a lizard. And then there's the phrases Blackmore and Star Frontiers. And Wizards of the Coast does a good job of detailing why it says, hey, we've been using these the whole time. We sell Dungeons & Dragons stuff on our store. We sell Star Frontiers on our store. And they're a little bit disingenuous here because this company, TSR, puts out what I think is an Instagram, maybe it's a Facebook post, that says, happy to announce that in addition to our flagship new world and game system, our next internal project, Star Frontiers, a reboot of the original, is currently in pre-production and has Larry Elmore attached. And then they put this picture of the old original version of a game called Star Frontiers, which Wizards of the Coast then accuses them of selling the original which doesn't appear to be what they were offering to do. It says, in addition to the USPTO applications to register the TSR marks and the blatant reproduction and sale of Wizards copyrighted publication, your client appears to be deliberately creating confusion in the marketplace, which I think you can grant. You don't use this picture with this announcement to not create confusion in the marketplace. So that's an issue that I think Wizards of the Coast is probably right on, but they go a little bit too far to suggest that TSR LLC's goal here is to sell the Star Frontiers game as it originally existed. I don't think they even claim that. So, you know, different parties do this kind of thing. And Wizard of the Coast says, hey, stop all of this, terminate all of your applications, and go away. So let's take a look at the current status of these applications, what's been happening since, and then we'll get to the lawsuit and why TSR LLC is asking for a declaratory judgment from the court to clear some of this up. So they apply for all these trademarks, these seven, in August of 2020. I believe they're all at the same time. And now we can look at those seven marks and how they've proceeded through the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office and see that essentially one isn't a problem, as best we can tell right now. Everything else is a problem, but wound up in different states of problematicness. Now, before we get into it in its entirety, I want to point out that one of the things that TSR LLC has an issue with is the notion that all the intellectual property from TSR Hobbies Inc. when it sold in 1997 went over to 
Wizards of the Coast. And they're going to make a claim in their lawsuit that says effectively, well, you didn't register it. You didn't apply for assignments. You didn't do all these various other things. And I want to make clear before we even dive into these trademarks, the following. When you enter into a asset purchase agreement, and this is even worse if it's an equity purchase agreement where you buy the shares or interests in the company, you agree to sell basically everything in most instances. You could also do this for product lines, but it looks a little bit like this. And this is just a sample from the SEC archives. Seller shall sell to buyer and buyer shall purchase all assets free and clear of encumbrances, including, and then there's a list of stuff. We buy your receivables, the stuff people owe you in terms of money. We buy your contracts. We buy your intellectual property assets. And then we go and we look at the definition for intellectual property assets, and we see that it encompasses something. It encompasses something important for purposes of this conversation before we even get into it. Intellectual property means any and all intellectual property rights in the world arising under the laws of any jurisdiction with respect to arising from or associated with, among other things, trade names, trademarks, and service marks, parenthetical, registered, and unregistered. And I will tell you, I have not seen a purchase agreement of any type that's going to talk about intellectual property that limits the marks to things that are registered. And so we're going to be talking about trademark law as part of this conversation, but it's important to note that you get a trademark regardless of whether or not you register it with the USPTO or anybody else. And that is something that can be sold as an unregistered asset to another company. The registration doesn't make that difference. Which leads us to talking about these seven trademarks. First is the one that's the biggest problem. The TSR, the Game Wizards, head on the left, kind of scrolly text on the right, which is granted to TSR LLC as of August of this year, about a year after they filed for it. And it has a cancellation instituted against it, which we can see right here. Wizards of the Coast LLC is asking for it to be canceled as of about a week ago. And what's the reasoning for their cancellation request? Well, their reasoning is that they have a mark that's TSR, the Game Wizards, and we otherwise weren't told at the USPTO that the folks at TSR LLC should have known about it. First ground for cancellation, priority. We've been using it first and that this new mark is going to cause confusion. Petitioner, that's Wizards of the Coast, from a long time prior to registrants' alleged dates of first use, of the mark and continuing to the present continuously utilized the design mark TSR the Game Wizard styled with a picture of a man's face in profile with a long beard. And that's how we describe things when we're talking about trademarks. From a long time prior to registrants alleged dates of first use and continuing to the present, petitioner engaged in substantial use of the design mark, etc, etc. We were using it and this particular registration is confusing. And what they point out is by registering it, USPTO, You've created prima facie evidence of the validity of the registered mark. Means if anybody were to look at this, TSR LLC starts in the driver's seat because they have a registered trademark and somebody combating it or otherwise bringing up an issue here would have to prove that there was a problem with that registration when it shouldn't have issued in the first instance. So they say, hey, you made a big mistake here. Petitioner is damaged by the registration insofar as that prima facie evidence of the validity of the registered mark and of registered's ownership and exclusive right to the mark for the products claimed by the registration, when in fact registrant is not entitled to said rights by virtue of petitioner's superior and prior rights. If registrant is permitted to continue to maintain this registration, the same may be deemed incontestable after five years from the date of registration. You've created a big problem for us and you should fix it, USPTO. Now they also say, hey, lest you think that we think this is your issue, no. 
We'd also like to point out that TSR LLC engaged in fraud. It says on August 19th, 2020, Registrant filed the application to register the design mark. And in the application, Registrant represented under oath that to the best of its knowledge and belief, no other persons except if applicable concurrent users have the right to use the mark in commerce, either in the identical form or in such near resemblance as to be likely when used on or in connection with the goods and services of such other persons to cause confusion or mistake or to deceive. Registrant did not file concurrent use application and therefore did not identify any concurrent users of the TSR design mark. Registrant instead claimed in the application the exclusive right to use the mark throughout the entire United States. So here, Wizards of the Coast is essentially telling the USPTO that they lied to you, that they knew we were using this mark. And we'll see that that's pretty much true when they actually file their own lawsuit. They'll say, hey, we knew that they were using this in common law or otherwise. And they should have, says Wizards of the Coast, filed a concurrent registration. Here we have 15 U.S.C. 1052, part of the Trademark Act that says, if the director determines that confusion, mistake, or deception is not likely to result from the continued use by more than one person of the same or similar marks under conditions and limitations as to the mode or place of use of the marks or goods on or in connection with which such marks are used, concurrent registrations may be issued to such persons. That you're supposed to tell the USPTO that, hey, we know someone else is using this mark in a specific way. You should still register it to us and we'll figure out exactly how to coordinate it so that there isn't a lot of confusion. You can see this even in the examining procedure book. The problem again is that one of the things that TSR LLC is going to claim is that there aren't proper registrations for these things by Wizards of the Coast, which may well be true. It's it's a little bit difficult to just search for anything out there in the trademark database. But even the examining procedure book here, which is right, says you should be concerned not just with a registered application of a conflicting mark, but a common law user of a conflicting mark. And again, just keep a pin in that because we'll come back to it. The point is, if you're selling stuff under a mark, even if you don't register it with the USPTO, you still have certain rights to it and at least certain geographies and certain ways that you're otherwise using it. And if the other party knows that that's in fact the case, they have certain obligations to tell the USPTO so that they don't make big mistakes that force Wizards of the Coast to bring a cancellation action against the issue. Now, a number of other folks looked at this and said, hey, it's fraud. It's a federal crime, those kinds of things. Better folks than me that deal with these questions more, and I'll link the tweets to you as part of this video, suggest that this isn't in fact a prison kind of claim. I wouldn't doubt it. In fact, more likely than not, falsity here essentially will just kill your application, kill your trademark, and probably get you on some kind of list somewhere with the trademark office but won't result in somebody being frog marched out of their office and, and put in a federal penitentiary. Generally speaking, I don't make any promises. Who knows? 2021's an odd year, but it's unlikely that you'll see that even if Wizards of the Coast is entirely correct in their fraud claim. Interestingly, this is really the only place that you see this kind of conflict. If you look at the Lizardman logo, for instance, which is one of the seven that are being fought over, we see this was just registered. August 17th, live registration, issued and active. We can look up the owner here. TSR LLC of Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which again, matches the address for that hobby museum. And we don't otherwise see an issue here with this particular trademark. For the TSR kind of angled logo, we see something odd. You can see here that it's listed as live, issued, and active. But if you actually look at the prosecution history, 
it looks like it's accepted, then they get an express abandonment document that TSRLC has looked to abandon this application for a trademark. It's issued anyway, maybe just because the government process of the USPTO is operating a little bit slowly and 20 days is enough for them to, to change their course. And then it's surrendered, which still isn't kind of listed here. We've got a government database, so it just might not be up to date. But you see, much like the cancellation action, this would suggest that TSR LLC dropped their request to have this application actually filed. Similarly, we can look at the TSR Dragon Medallion and we see this one's dead. We see them file to expressly abandon it at the end of July. It gets abandoned as registered here the next day and it's dead, withdrawn, abandoned. Similarly, the wizard picture, same deal, express abandonment received, then it's registered, then it's surrendered. So it still shows as live and active, just like that angled logo, but TSR LLC appears to have dropped it. Same with Blackmore, dead, withdrawn, abandoned. Same with Star Frontiers. Or more specifically, this is live, published for opposition, but the USPTO asked for a statement of use six months ago, and it would seem that they're going to effectively abandon this application by not responding to that request for a statement of use. So the overall geography of this situation is that they get this letter from Wizards of the Coast, says, we have a problem with all these applications you filed in August of 2020. And with the exception of the TSR Game Wizard logo, which they want to sell on t-shirts right now, they either dropped or just stopped pursuing almost all of these, except the Lizardman logo. And we'll see why that one might be different because they claim that effectively TSR Hobbies Inc. never owned it uh, and so couldn't have conveyed it to Wizards of the Coast in 1997. The rest of their arguments are effectively all premised on abandonment. So if we look through this, and apologies that I can't get you highlights on this, it's just not working with this particular document. We see that this is a trademark and copyright dispute brought pursuant to the Federal J Declaratory Judgment Act, seeking declarations of the ownership of certain trademark rights and copyrights in certain letters, words, and images. So again, the framework is they apply for these things in August. They get an angry letter from Wizards of the Coast saying, drop them all. They do drop most of them. They don't like it. So they file a lawsuit here in the Eastern District of North Carolina to say, court, we've got a legitimate controversy here. We don't know which party owns these trademarks. And so you should give us a declaratory judgment that we can own them, that our applications should be okay. And then presumably they can go through the rest of the list that they otherwise dropped and get them back. Defendant is a limited liability company and a manufacturer and distributor of tabletop role-playing games as well as other products and distributes their products throughout the country. We, TSR, are a limited liability company authorized to operate in Wisconsin, where the Hobby Museum is, and North Carolina, which is the address we see on the Indiegogo campaign as well as by the attorney in these various filings. TSR Inc. was a Wisconsin corporation that owned the rights to a number of trademarks used in association with tabletop role-playing games and TSR Inc. sold their assets to defendant in or around 1997. They then continue with this kind of obsession with registration. Upon information and belief, only two assignments of trademark registrations related to the marks at issue were ever recorded by Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast did not maintain or apply for trademark registrations for any of the marks at issue after allegedly acquiring their ownership in 1997. Rather, TSR Inc. had already abandoned some of these registrations and defendant abandoned the two registrations for which assignments were recorded, naming defendant as assignee. So, so this claim here is that TSR Inc., the original, the real, TSR, before they sell anything in 1997, 
abandon their registrations. But, but here again is the fundamental problem. The, the registration simply doesn't matter that much. If we look at the USPTO, owning a trademark versus having a registered trademark. You become a trademark owner as soon as you start using your trademark with your goods or services. You establish rights in your trademark by using it, but those rights are limited and they only apply to the geographic area in which you're providing your goods or services, which is massively contemplated, complicated by the use of the internet, but we'll skip all that for now. If you want stronger nationwide rights, you'll need to apply to register your trademark with us. You're not required to register your trademark. However, a registered trademark provides broader rights than an unregistered one. You have the right to use a mark that you put forth in commerce to identify yourself as the origin of those goods and services, whether you tell the USPTO about it or not, and whether you lose the right to a registration or not. Now, what is loss of registration? A mark shall be deemed to be abandoned if either of the following occurs. When its use has been discontinued with intent not to resume such use, intent not to resume may be inferred from circumstances. Non-use for three consecutive years shall be prima facie evidence of abandonment. Puts the burden of proof on the other side. And then there's other ways that it happens, but this is what TSR LLC appears to be basing their entire claim on. That these marks weren't registered, they didn't get assigned, and then they were otherwise abandoned to the extent they were available at all by Wizards of the Coast by not using them for a period of time. It says, defendants stopped manufacturing and selling a number of products previously sold by TSR Inc. Despite not maintaining the registrations for the marks or putting them into use in interstate commerce, defendant has continued to assert ownership of the marks at issue. So this is implying that they abandoned them. Plaintiff has repeatedly requested evidence that supports defendant's assertions that they own the marks and their associated copyrights and has only received links to websites that defendant admits are maintained by other entities that defendant claims are authorized licensees of the marks. Plaintiff has repeatedly requested proof of licensing agreements defendant has with the two parties they claim are authorized licensee, but defendant has provided no said agreements. This doesn't matter. So if Wizards of the Coast has the rights to the intellectual property and they enter into a license agreement, that's fine. But even if they hadn't, that doesn't prove whether or not Wizards of the Coast actually owns the rights at issue to begin with. Now, they might be trying to establish that it's actually the third-party licensees that have the rights instead of Wizards of the Coast. I don't know exactly what they're getting at here. In either instance, as we talked about when we were looking at the campaign itself, it's their burden to show that there is an abandonment. It's their burden to show that there's some kind of issue with their trademarks or their trademark usage. They aren't showing that. And so we've got a bit of an issue here. Despite repeated requests from plaintiff, defendant has failed to provide evidence they own the copyright to the images incorporated into the marks. Rather, defendant filed a cancellation proceeding. That's the one that we looked at on December 6th, asking the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board of the United States Patent and Trademark Office to cancel a single registration for one of the marks at issue. And they use single registration, suggesting some importance there. But as we just looked at, basically everything else was dropped. There could be a fight about the lizard, but everything else was dropped by TSR LLC. In view of the foregoing, and because defendant has repeatedly ordered plaintiff to stop registering, using, or promoting the marks, taking the position that plaintiff's behavior constitutes trademark and copyright infringement, the plaintiff now seeks a declaration that the copyrights and trademark rights to the marks at issue are not owned by the defendants. Then you get a recitation of the parties. You get a recitation of venue, which I didn't find that interesting. It's a federal kind of claim, but you might when we get to the end of where this stands today. So keep that in mind as well. It says the facts. Plaintiff, TSR LLC received an assignment of the applications to register a number of trademarks with the USPTO for these purposes, filed in August of 2020. 
specifically these five. TSR LLC applied to register the following trademarks with the United States Patent and Trademark Office for a similar class for the other two, Blackmore and Star Frontiers. On or about June 30th, 2021, defendant through their counsel contacted plaintiff on behalf of defendant advising defendant claims executive trademark rights and copyrights in the marks at issue. That's exclusive, not executive. Listed in the applications below for which plaintiff had applied for registration. We saw that letter. That's what we looked at these based on. Plaintiff TSR LLC also filed a U.S. trademark application to register the letters TSR, the word mark. Plaintiff TSR LLC also filed to register the letters Star Frontiers. Plaintiff has made repeated requests to defendant through their attorney for information that supports their contention that the marks have been in continuous use since 1997. Again, the concept here that they want is to show three years where they weren't being used and Wizards of the Coast isn't giving it to them. But Wizards of the Coast isn't under an obligation to give it to them. Despite these repeated requests, defendant has provided no evidence to support defendant's contention that the marks have been in continuous use. To date, no information has been provided by defendant regarding the licensing agreements they allege to have with two distributors. And upon information and belief, defendant intentionally abandoned any trademark rights they have in the marks. Upon that information and belief, defendant either stopped selling products bearing the marks at issue in or around 1997 or never produced products bearing the marks at issue at all. Defendant did not maintain any registration for the marks at issue which again is not dispositive to this question. On March 5th, 2013, the USPTO issued a trademark registration to Hexagonist Publishing for the letters TSR for paper and electronic books, namely game manuals, and the defendant did not oppose the issuance of this application. And upon information and belief, defendant abandoned the marks at issue prior to entering into licensing agreements with third parties. And a result, defendant licensed marks to those licensees that they did not own. It's unclear exactly what the licensing agreements would show there if they in fact exist. Upon information and belief, any use the defendant has made of the marks in recent years has been used merely to reserve the right to use the marks at issue, which is not to be given credit for purposes of abandonment. Upon information and belief, in or around 2017, an entity called Evil Hat attempted to produce products bearing the Star Frontier's name and a dispute developed with defendant Further, that upon information and belief, defendants started selling or authorizing a third party to sell reprints of old game materials bearing the name Star Frontiers in response to Evil Hat's actions. So they're saying it's essentially pretextual, although they do have the assets to sell in scope. Also worth noting here that in the middle of this lawsuit, TSR LLC is pointing out the many other places where folks have tried to use these names before them, while otherwise applying to have exclusive trademark rights to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Not an awesome move in a document like this one. Upon information and belief, the defendant never used the lizard image as a trademark at any time and has never developed any trademark rights in that image. And again, that's the only one that isn't challenged. So this one might actually bear fruit for them. The defendant never owned any copyright in the lizard image. Specifically, Greg Bell was the artist that drew the lizard image and he was never an employee of TSR or defendant and never signed a work for hire agreement or a copyright assignment or license transferring any rights to TSR or defendant. Did TSR Inc. ever use the picture of the lizard? Is is the object of this paragraph to suggest that TSR Inc. was violating somebody's intellectual property rights? The defendant did not secure the copyright to the lizard image at any time prior to the following of this lawsuit. So remember, we looked at the sample asset purchase agreement that says everything that is the businesses we transfer to you. This fact pattern, if it's accurate, that effectively you worked with an independent contractor that you might have incorporated their stuff in, but never actually had the rights to it, could actually be sufficient for an argument of this type by the new TSR LLC if 
the rights in TSR Inc. were never part of the package that they sold to Wizards of the Coast. Now, it's unclear if Greg Bell is the artist that drew the lizard image and he's the owner, whether he has anything to do with TSR LLC. There would ordinarily be a paragraph here that suggests that he's affiliated with them in some way. That doesn't exist. So all you've basically put here is that it's not TSR Inc.'s. You haven't established that it's yours. Upon information and belief, the defendant never owned any copyright to the Game Wizards logo. That's the one that everybody's fighting about. As that image was drawn by Darlene Jean Picoul at a time when she was not an employee, defendant and never signed a work for hire agreement or a copyright assignment or license transferring any rights to CSR Inc. or defendant. So the fight here is a fact-based one and says TSR Inc. never had the rights to sell. So you can't own them as of today. If there were to be a significant fight on this, it sounds like it would be in these two areas. I can't be sure whether or not these are accurate as described. And I certainly can't be sure that these would lead to an understanding that TSR LLC is the proper applicants for a trademark for those two pictures. They claim for relief here is that they would like it to be known that they have the rights to use these particular marks that are otherwise in controversy. And they would like a declaration of ownership of the copyright in those marks as well. So that's the lawsuit. A lot of this doesn't follow the law. A lot of this doesn't make a ton of sense in terms of registrations mattering and trademarks mattering and how they frame all of these particular issues. We already talked about the campaign itself feeling like it's effectively a fundraiser for a hobby shop museum that is affiliated with this enterprise. So it already looks a little bit iffy to my eye. And then immediately after the lawsuit is filed, you get Plaintiff through counsel pursuant to the federal rules gives notice of dismissal of this action against defendant Wizards of the Coast without prejudice. And, and this is from October of 2021. So when we're looking at these kinds of things, you have to try to start matching up these dates. And it's a little bit unclear exactly how this happened. This is filed December of 21. And this rejection is from October. So how do these all work together? It's tremendously unclear, which... I can see is backed up by Mike Dunford. Highly recommend checking him out at Quest Authority on Twitter, who's been trying to work through some of these things for the past few days. And he says, I'm very concerned that the fundraising for this lawsuit remains active. A link to the crowdfunding remains in their pin tweet. And there has been no attempt by TSR to either inform people of the current status of the lawsuit or otherwise. I'm confused about everything we just looked at in the TSR folders. The fact that they go abandonment, registration, surrender, all this good stuff. Check him out. He's working through it. I'm sure he'll actually have a stream or a video up at some point in time. But despite the fact that the files in the USPTO office don't quite work, despite the fact that the Indiegogo campaign raises all sorts of red flags and that this lawsuit date timing thing doesn't quite work either, the biggest stuff that's a problem in my opinion is if you actually go look at the updates here. It says press release from December 11th, withdraw of suit. TSR plans on refiling the declaratory judgment of ownership. You see the wrong spelling on declaratory here. In Washington, and also carrying on its actions to have Wizards of the Coast remove or change its legacy disclaimer. So this was filed in North Carolina. We saw that. They want to move it to Washington. That's where Wizards of the Coast lives. It's unclear exactly what the thought process is there and whether or not you have to believe Justin here. It says, whatever rumors you have been reading, disregard not one media source reporting on this dismissal, except Clownfish TV asked TSR for clarification why the declaration request was withdrawn. That's bad enough in and of itself because it doesn't actually explain what's happening with the dates or otherwise. 
But this is where things get really bad. The next update from just two days ago, the evil DM asked us for clarification. The DHSM, that's the Hobby Shop and Museum, is selling items on this Indiegogo whereby all profits will go to the legal battles of TSR until they're over. When over, that means when TSR says the battle is over, all leftover funds go back to the DHSM to build a beautiful memorial. Don't listen to the haters. They want to see this whole thing fail. And I really didn't know you from Adam before I started looking into this. I don't know that I'm a hater, but I have my issues. So this particular update says we can end our legal fight whenever we say and recall that when this is over, now we know at the discretion of TSR itself, we'll send this money to the Hobby Shop Museum. You will have bought what amounts to a membership in that museum so that they can build a big statue and hopefully increase their value uh, at that particular location. And that will depend in large part on the value of the statue and what money is spent there and where the rest of that money might go if the statue isn't significant enough. But long story short, add all that together. You have a relatively complicated trademark history with a relatively complicated corporate history with a cancellation request that seems pretty legitimate from Wizards of the Coast from a very difficult libel and slander request that we haven't even seen framed out in a legal document. You've got attorney's fees that definitely wouldn't be covered for for an object of this size for only $50,000, currently supported at only $3,000, and you have discretion by the campaign head to just take the money for his other business endeavor And I look at this and I say, I see why you all asked me to read all of this. I can't give you answers on a lot of the specifics here because we don't actually have the formal legal document that TSR LLC might pursue. But remembering that they aren't the true successors in interest, remembering that trademarks can exist regardless of assignment documents and registrations and all those good things, remembering that they put in their own documents that they were aware of uses by other people and the purchase in 1997 And you come up with a situation where I look at this and I say, this is an outrage campaign that looks to be trying to make money regardless of the legal veracity of their complaints. At the end of the day, I can't promise you anything about how this kind of thing will go. I can only tell you from my personal opinion, it raises enough red flags for me that I'd be walking away with significant speed. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy our content and you think this provides value, please consider supporting us business and law through the lens of pop culture, video games, role-playing games, and more. And thanks again for our December sponsors, Dragon Girl, Falcus, Vipus, and Nord. Otherwise, if you just subscribe, like, do all the other fun things that other folks tell you to do on YouTube or otherwise, and tell your friends we're here, that's going to do a lot to help the channel as well. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.